Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. That's right, the Chase Travis Live Show here on Creative Live. Guess what today's episode is all about? It is all about love. And right now you're saying, love? I thought this was about creativity and entrepreneurship. But what connects us all when you boil it down, take everything you have to know and say and think and do about creativity or entrepreneurship, what does it all come down to? It all comes down to love. It's the human condition. It's why we're here. And there is nobody better to help us learn about love than Kamal Ravikant. If you're not sure uh, who Kamal is on the, if you've been living under a rock, for example, he is a best-selling author. And the story that we will uh, unfold here as we get into our conversation is how Kamal almost didn't write this book. He originally wrote the book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It as an act, well, first of all, he started paying attention to love as an act of desperation. He was in a failed startup, um, his ego deeply attached to this failure. And if you're like me, we've had these failures um, and on the verge of being able to do nothing, he turned out of desperation to love and started trying to find a way to love himself. And as he crawled very slowly out of this hole that he'd found himself in through the vehicle of love, he wrote this book. It was originally self-published. Now a half million copies later, he's uh, gone with the traditional publisher. And over the last six years, since he first published it, he's compiled feedback and uh, has done a lot of introspection on his original writing. And this is absolutely beautiful. It is perhaps the most actionable book of any of the authors that I've had on the show recently. And it's actionable. Um, you might be saying like actionable love. Like, yeah, it's not just actionable, actionable love with the capital L and generically. This is about how to love yourself, how to appreciate and respect. And if you can't love yourself, it's very hard to expect others to do the same. So this is so foundational. Um, and again, ruthlessly practical. You're going to love this conversation about love, yours truly, and Kamal Ravikant. Before we do, just a quick note from our sponsor, and then we're going to get into the show. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I got a favor to ask. I've got a new book out. It's called Creative Calling. And of course, I would love for you to pick up a copy or two or 10, but here's why. This is not about a transaction. Of course, I want to sell as many books as I can, but this isn't about my bank account or the publisher. This is about a message and a movement. This is about the fact that there's creativity inside of every person and that if we understand that we each can harness this creativity and use it to channel uh, our, our creativity, not just to make things on a daily basis, yes, that's valuable, but to be able to create the living life that we want for ourselves and ideally for those around us. And right now, everyone has someone in their life who either doesn't identify as a creator or for whom they could use a bump, a nudge, a little bit of a push around their creative calling in life. And it's my hope that this book, I put everything I have into this book, everything. And if you could help me be the messenger for this by delivering them a copy of the book, um, picking up a copy uh, yourself, and of course, sharing that you are reading this book um, with your audience, that would mean everything to me. It's so important that we rally as a community around 
the ideas that we believe in. And this is my ask to you. So thank you very much. And now, okay, now let's get into today's episode. Well, um, I just pressed record and I'm really, really happy to be speaking with you, Kamal. Tell me uh, what's up. Where are you in the world, by the way? We're we're not in the same room. Confession here. This is a an audio only version of the podcast. Where are you and, and uh, what's going on? Yeah, we're in the modern world. We're being virtual. <laughs> I'm uh, in San Francisco visiting family. Uh, nice. I was playing with my nephews. Oh, that's good living. I pulled you away from that. Just to well, get you on the air here. they kind of woke up really early today. They're out right now, and it's probably a good thing. It'd be noisier if they were around. Well, bef- like we talked for 60 seconds before I hit record, um, but I always love to just do a super brief recap so the people in the world know where we are in our conversation arc. And we were um, introduced from a mutual friend, and we both uh, trust and, and admire and appreciate this mutual friend. Um, and as soon as the email hit my inbox, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I can't wait to speak with Kamal. And um, among the things that uh, have been intriguing to me about your world is uh, the book that you wrote and originally um, self-published, which to me, this this arc, it speaks so um, eloquently to the the world that we live in today to what I preach to this audience, which is just, you know, um, that you can create your own um, universe by doing the work and putting it out there. And if you do it enough or either well enough or often enough, or ideally both that, um, that you can uh, stand out and you've done that so beautifully with uh, your book, love yourself, like your life depends on it. Um, And so can you give us a little bit of the story so that folks at home know um, this, I guess, this narrative of which I speak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. this narrative of which you speak. It's actually very interesting because now the updated version just came out and that's published to a traditional publisher. It's been a very interesting journey. And I'll fill you in. So I'm yeah. a startup guy. I've been doing startups you know, since the first dot-com boom and uh, you know, really enjoyed it. But at the same time, while I was building startups at night, I was teaching myself to write uh, novels. And like nights and weekends when everybody would be out partying, I'd be like studying the greats and taking them apart and seeing how they did it and learning and writing and rewriting. And I'm basically collecting rejection letters for years, (laughs) you know, like the classic story. And the rejection letters got better and better and in-person phone calls, but they were still rejection letters. And then in... um, 2011, a company I was building uh, that I'd spent about almost four years of my life, uh, fully, fully, four years of my life uh, into it and all my money, uh, it was a tech startup and it was doing well and then it blew up and I lost everything. And, uh, was there you know, one every- particular event? or No, it's just, you know, as companies fail. Yeah. You know, like a partner, yeah, yeah. partner pulled out and that was then the Google and Yahoo took notice of what we were doing and we were competition and they, you know, it, it happens in the tech industry. It's nothing sure. uh, dramatic. It's just dramatic when it's happening to you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. Hundreds every day, but until it's yeah. you're one of those hundred people. It, it, you know, yeah, what is yeah. that classic Mel Brooks quote about comedy versus tragedy? He's like, <laughs> um, you're walking down a street, you fall into a, a sewer, that's comedy. You know, I cut my nail, that's tragedy. 
<laughs> when it happens to you man it's it's different right it's so true and, so true so this happened and, and this uh, happened and i i basically fell apart with it um my entire ego was attached to it my money my everything my sense of self-worth was attached to it and i was in a really dark place and one night i decided i was going to get out of it and how i did it was i made a vow to myself and it was very interesting the vow that came out was a vow to love myself i wrote this down and I'm not someone who believed in that. I'm not someone who even knew that, but it came from like somewhere deep. And because I've written it down, I really do believe in the act of if you write something, a commitment to yourself, that's a real thing and you got to do it. And so I set out to live it and I did and I figured out how to do it. And it was purely by working on my inside, you know, because I was in a very bad place and I didn't have any, I didn't go out and start doing things externally. I knew like, look, if, if I'm having misery in my head, then the solution is actually inside the head is like getting rid of the misery inside. It's not outside. So I did it. And, you know, within a month and it was pretty obsessive, but I figured some things out and I created a practice out of it that really just let me sustain it. And I started sharing with friends and, um, you know, help them. And then some convinced me to actually <clears throat> write about it. So I wrote this little tiny book straight from the heart, short and to the point about it. And, self-published on Amazon in 2012, expecting to sell practically no copies, or if there were any bought, it would be by me to share with friends, right? That simple. Mm -hmm. And it took off. The thing went viral. It went on to sell, I don't know, maybe like half a million copies, something like that. It just, you know, which is a good number. But what was amazing was I started getting all these emails from people and because I, I did something that you weren't doing and people weren't doing at the time because I didn't expect to send any copies, put my email address in the book. I was like, yeah, if you have any questions, just email me. And guess what? <laughs> people did. So I had like thousands, if not tens of thousands of emails that I've responded to over the years. And here's the interesting thing about the creative journey there. So I put this book out and because I had given my readers a way to connect with me on something very personal I'd shared that was working for them, they were applying and working for them. They started emailing me and telling me how I was working for them, but also they started sending me questions. And over the next six years, I, you know, I, I answered the questions, but I also saw a pattern in the questions. And so, which made me realize, look, I held, and it's the truth. I held back a lot. I wasn't expecting this book to go anywhere. So I just did a very bare minimum, almost, almost a primer. And I realized to end, if I want this book on the world, the way it's becoming bigger and bigger, I owe it to the readers to actually just go all out, to really make sure all those questions, especially you start to see patterns and themes, they're all resolved. So it's fundamentally the book that needs to be out there so I don't get the questions anymore. And it's it's actually helpful in that way. And so that's mm -hmm. what I set out to do with this next version. And for that, I decided to go with the publisher because of when it got worldwide. And these days, if you want to go worldwide, you still need to go through publishers in the various territories. And I'm really glad I did. Uh, it's been a great journey. And so the self-published version was out for about six years. And then the new version is out uh, this year, wow. which is significantly yeah. expanded. And it's really the creative journey, thanks to actually feedback from readers, which yeah. I never expected. So to me, this, like, let's go back to the moment where you realize that the problems were all in your head. <laughs> like, I think that is, there's something you mentioned ego. Um, so all these things are relation, right? The problems are out there in the world because you're not having some sort of result. But to me, it's, it's, you know, I start and I've learned to understand those as ultimately it's not 
what happens to us. It's how we respond to what happens to us. And there's, it seems like there was this tension for you, as you said, when you realized it was, um, where your, uh, your commitment to loving yourself, um, seemed like the hardest thing you might be able to do in that moment. And yet, you know, you, you landed there. So can you give us a little more color? This to me is a fascinating aspect of not just your journey, but the journey that all creators and entrepreneurs have, you know, you know, and this is like perhaps one of the key difference makers, you know, what is Bezos says, you have to be willing to be misunderstood for long periods of time. And that whole duration of time where you're misunderstood, whether it's about your business model or how you see the world as a creator or, you know, any myriad of things that the thing that keeps you able to survive either the onslaught of people or the disconnect that you feel or the, any litany of things is, you know, the internal state of mind. So can you add a little bit of color to us? And, you know, this, it's a great intro that you provided for us, just that things were hard. And so then you started taking care of yourself and made this commitment, but get into how you realized where the problem was thing one and then thing two what was your step-by-step -step for actually doing it so <clears throat> when i when i wrote that vow to myself i was in a really dark place you know and i was like ready to like just quit quit life i was just miserable um you know like as an entrepreneurs we um when we go you know i do believe in going all in on to create anything great you got to go all in and if, mm -hmm. if the thing flood blows up and fails, you know, we stand the danger of ourselves being attached to that, not to, to the outcome rather than the effort. And I made the mistake of just being attached to the outcome, not the effort that I had put in. And, you know, um, so I was in a dark place and it was actually, I don't know where that vow came from. It was literally one night I was like, I got to get out of this. I got to get out of this. I don't know how. And I, and I walked over to my journal. I was quite sick at the time too. I was just worn out. And uh, I wrote this vow in my journal. I don't know where it came from. And I remember, and it was a vow to love myself, and I have it in the book, the exact wording. And um, I remember writing that vow and sitting back and looking at it and thinking, okay, where did this come from? You know, I'm looking at reading in seconds like, shit, I got to keep this because I made a vow to myself. And mm -hmm. third, I have no idea how to do it. I was not someone who was thinking in those terms or ever thought in those terms, you know, just someone who was busy doing things, you know, either yeah. as a creator or as an entrepreneur. My thing was, you know, I've been in the U S army, I've climbed mountains, you know, I pride myself on being a doer. And here I was just like, you know, in a place where I'd lost everything and, and I didn't know what to do. And, and I had this, this internal, this vow, this vow. And there's like, there's no like, you know, we never taught this thing. This is not something we ever learned in school or like, how do you love yourself? And, you know, funny enough, I didn't go and read any books on it, even though now I've written a book on it. I, I <laughs> right. something in me, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest, you know, um, most books I've found in that genre are advice and how-tos written from theory and platitudes. And I'm a very practical person. I want to, you know, like give me a step-by-step -step manual on how to do things. If you, you know, if I want to get fit, I will go learn step-by-step, -step, not just someone telling me go do yoga. You know, I want the step-by-step -step manual. And something we just said, look, I'm going to have to figure this out for myself. And how is, 
well, I was miserable in my head, so let me just start working on my head. And so I remember I was living in San Francisco at the time, and, and uh, I just started trying things in my head. I started, um, like, I was just trying all sorts of crazy things. I was basically learning a clinical trial with a sample size of one. You know, like, the only sample size that matters is the one within. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and I noticed what would shift my mind, what would shift my state. And if it shift my state, I went deeper. And if it stopped, I would throw it away. I really didn't care about anything except results. That was, I mean, I was in a desperate place. So, like, when you're when you're in fire, you only care about water, you know, not the mm-hmm. theory of combustion. Yeah. So, uh, like, I care about no theory. I didn't care about any examples, what happened to someone else. I just wanted to fix myself. And, and you know, we know our inner state. Like, when something shifts, we can feel it. And so mm-hmm. I just followed all these trains of thought and – I started using my breath. I started using like a simple meditation, like a seven-minute meditation I come up with. I actually started saying to myself, I love myself. I started making myself feel it. I started using the concept of light coming in. And all these over time, I started to notice patterns, what shifted me more and not. And, you know, being a very practical guy, I also realized like, look, I got to make a system out of this. I got to create something simple that I just consistently do. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And so... What started working, I started creating like a little, almost like a little system, like what I call a practice out of it. And and sure enough, my mind started to shift and my life started to shift. And um, it really brought me out of where I was very, very quickly, which honestly surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> you know? So there's, there's this power, you know, um, we share a book agent in Steve and, um, or literary agent rather, and um, uh I have just in the fall dropped my first like book of words rather than book of photographs. And to me, the, the product of a, um, of a habit or a, a process or a a daily practice, if you will, is, you know, looking backwards when I sat down to write that book, it's like what actually got me the most success. Mm -hmm. And there was no sort of one-off thing everything that was meant to be a bandaid or a dart or duct tape or like temporary fix ended up just being that. And the only thing that I can, you know, reliably count on was a practice. And so I even, I even included the word, you know, uh, practice in, in the subtitle of my book, Creative Calling. So I'm fascinated by your reference to a practice because it got me to the same place. It sounds like it, it got you. What, you know, what people I'm, I'm putting myself in the mind of a listener right now. And they're saying, great. What, like, give me some detail. What, like, what frequency of practice, what, and, and you just revealed, and of course we want folks to read the book because all the, the details are in there, but paint us a picture, if you would, what your daily practice looks like. When do you do this daily practice? And now some seven years on, you've clearly refined it. So, um, give us the, a, the details and then B what the, um, process looked like to refine it. Are you refining it every day, every month, every year? Give us a little more color. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, you know, there's so much to unpack, so I don't want to bombard people. No, no, this uh, is like, we, you know, this is the joy of the show is that we, we want your unpacking and your, your long, your long answers. Come on. Sure. Um, so like, you know, so I'll be clear, you know, I never believed in this when I was doing it. I was doing it more from a place of desperation. 
And it's something that, you know, it's something very important. I hear, I'll, I'll, I'll hear a reader sometimes. What if I don't believe it? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just like it's based on, life is based on how I know the mind works. And I have a degree in biology amongst others. And I understand neuroplasticity. So something in me said, like, look, I, if I just start working on my mind and start putting in patterns. So I don't know where this lack to love myself came from. But look, that's the filter. I got to do this all through it, just love. And I start to realize as I've done this, we're all, you know, love is such a primal thing. We're actually literally wired for it. You know, like hang around mm-hmm. any baby and immediately you know we're wired for it. It's just like mm-hmm. a fundamental part of our of our operating system that that I I, I luckily um, stumbled upon that that's the filter I was going to go through because that basically is the foundation. You you can, you start to feel that for yourself. It changes everything. You know, versus I could have gone from I'm going to start to like myself. I'm going to feel better. I'm so lucky I didn't because those are just band-aids. Those are actually like more surface level. If you do love for yourself, it actually just ripples up to everything else. And so so the practice is actually, you know, I really flesh out in the book amongst how you use it for specific things. But the practice itself was very, very basic and almost stupidly simple, right? And it was really, at some point, I was like describing to people and they look at me like I'm an idiot. I'm like, look, just trust me. The best things are always the simplest, you know, in art and writing and anything, especially with the mind. You want to give it just simple, clear things. So and true. so the first thing I started doing was I actually, I couldn't figure out what to do. So I was like, well, I'm just going to start telling myself that I love myself. So I started repeating it to myself in my head. And it was very interesting. At first, you feel like a fake. First, you said, you know, then you feel like an idiot. And is it and, like, hey, hey, you, I really love you, or hey, me? No, 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 no. I just like, I was just saying, like, I love myself, right? Just, I would just start repeating it. And it was really comical and uh, in the beginning, like, but I noticed something after a day or two. What it, what it was doing was rather than my thoughts going a certain way, you know, it was shifting my thoughts toward this one particular pattern, right? And it was very focused and it was just me doing it. Mm-hmm. And then I added in things like, I would actually, I noticed that if I like, if I added things like uh, a breath and the concept of light, all of a sudden it started to make me feel that way. And I'll explain that in a minute. And, and all, all of a sudden I started creating these feelings of walking around feeling love of myself. And what's very interesting is when you do that, you start layering that in. It actually, after a while, because you're just layering it, in, it starts to run on its own. You know, any, most of our habitual thoughts are actually just, they just, you know, you may forget the details, forget the scenery, but the core thoughts are basically the same. They're just old patterns running themselves. Yeah, that's and so like this would neural, like your neural base, neural pathways, right? Yeah, and it's it's stuff that we've we've created in our heads over over a lifetime. So this is just what I realized was I was doing was I would, instead of creating trying to create all these different things of feeling better about my business or this or that, I was just creating one very focused key one. If you focus on one thing. Just go all in. You know, it starts to move the needle. So I'll give you a very simple thing that I do throughout the day. Um, I call it 10 breaths. And it's, you know, as long as we're around, we're going to be breathing. So might as well use your breaths. And this is just 10 breaths. I'll do it throughout the day where if I have a moment, I'll pause. And I'll take 10 really deep and purposeful breaths. Just for these 10 breaths, I am, I'm, on, I'm on point. And what I'll do is when I breathe in, it'll be a deep breath. And I'll feel like I'll feel light from like almost the galaxies and stars above just flowing down into my head. So light's coming in. And with the light, I, 
I've associated light to love, you know, and I feel love coming in. And I just breathe in light and love. That's it. And then I release whatever comes. And I do this for 10 breaths. And I'll do this throughout the day. Maybe I'll do it five times during the day, six times during the day. It doesn't matter whenever I feel like it, whenever I remember to. What I've noticed is after a certain amount of time, when you start breathing, when you, when you breathe in the out breath, you start feeling gratitude. It's just a natural expression of that, that happens. And so it's like you're breathing in love and breathing in gratitude. And talk about shifting your state. This shifts your state to like a beautiful place. You could be anywhere and you just do this and it just kind of like grounds you, centers you. And you feel it, you're feeling these feelings that are yours. You've created them. They, they're, and they don't have to exist for any reason. They don't have to exist for something externally happened to make you feel love. Something externally happened to make you feel gratitude. You're generating them. And what happens is, oh, after a while, your your brain starts to do this naturally because you just you you know when you put thought and emotion and you actually add in the body and you add in concepts of light. What I found is that it's just like it wires, it wires deeply unlike anything else. Um, so that's one example. That's like a very very simple part of the practice I, that I do. There's a part I'm remembering. Right, there, one, one one question in parallel to that. There's a a point uh, a piece I'm remembering from the book where you invoked a mirror. Is that right? Like you, you looked into your own eyes in a mirror. Correct. Was that, is that correct? So now I, yeah. Uh, well, and so I use the same, basically what I've done is I've taken the same foundation of what I call like a mental loop where I'm actually like either saying uh, well myself, making myself feel it and I'm doing it. I'm, I'm attacking it from different angles. Right. So one is just the mental component. Like I just told you the 10 breaths. The other is, you know, I remember when I was doing this, I was coming up with it. One day I was doing it and I was looking in the mirror and I realized by looking in my eye, it did something different. It grounded me to my physical self. It started making me feel that for my physical self. And it's actually become a very powerful part of the practice. Just set a timer for five minutes and do it. Just look in your left eye. Um, and, you know, the key is look in your eye because the eyes are the windows to yourself. You know, we get caught up too much in our insecurities if we just like look at our face just look in your eye and breathe in and do the same thing i described with the 10 breaths and you will walk away five minutes later something in you will have shifted um, so that's another part of the practice and then then there's a, a meditation that i do that's literally seven minutes long because i listen to a piece of music that's seven minutes long uh that i have good feelings about and i do the same thing it's just very focused for those seven minutes and then I have other things that I do, like I have a question I ask myself when I've throughout the day. If I love myself, what would I do? The reason for this was, you know, because we get caught in our patterns and when we're out in the world, you know, like we react to life and or we make poor choices just because it's a it's a habit. And so like I've saw what I started doing with start is stopping myself in the moment and ask myself if I love myself, because that if frees you. Because it's you could be hating yourself in the moment, but if you say, "If I love myself, what would I do?" and then you know the answer, and you don't have to live it, but at least you'll make the choice consciously. What I've noticed is you keep asking yourself this, and after a while, you will just start choosing the better choice. Mm. Um, so this is almost like a little like these habits that can that I these little you know things that I came up with that I put put together in practice and created habits out of that now just basically run the show. It's so you said something that I want to um, rewind to is it's very sure. powerful. And that is the, this, if you are able to like, there are so many people who are listening right now are in a tough spot 
And as humans, you know, we get the whole range of emotions, sometimes on a daily basis. But we also are, are aware that our sort of life has ebbs and flows. And so let's just assume, I think it's fair to assume that there's a, a lot of folks who are listening right now who are in a really tough spot. And I'm wondering if we can zoom in on one particular moment that you commented on, which was, I, it's, it, you want to shift your state of mind. And at the beginning, what I loved, and thank you for being vulnerable, you said that I didn't believe any of this muck for, oh, yeah. for, for some so time. true, man. And so, so there's so many people right now who are stuck or in a tough place. And look, maybe it, it, it looks okay on the outside, but inside you're really hurting or you, you know, you have a vision and you're not able to make it, you know, there's a, there's a, a gap between where you are and where you want to be. We'll just, you know, leave it at that. But when you, if you realize that your mind is where so much personal power lives, and even if you shifted for just a moment from feeling terrible for yourself or feeling bad in general to even to neutral, that's like, I think you use the words moving the needle. And the first time you felt that, what what was it like when you'd been in this despair, having having you know burned up your startup and become lost? Did you like was uh, I want to try and get through? Is that most people are going to go like, wait, what was that? Was was that I actually did I actually do that? Did I actually shift mm -hmm. my mindset mm -hmm. for a second? And then what is the mechanism for? doing it again? Is it just sitting back down? Is it returning to the mat, returning to the breath, returning to the mirror, all these different prescriptions? Yeah. You know, the first time I did it and I remember I started to feel it, um, I knew it's shifting my mind, but I didn't believe it then either. I was, I felt like I was faking it, but honestly, when you're miserable, who cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think you could feel better as long yeah, as you and, feel and better. Like, it's literally anything, right? It's like, <laughs> God, like I, went from, I went from a minus one to a zero. That's improvement, right? And you felt it even for a second. Yeah, but what was interesting about this, you know, something about the feeling of love. Um, it takes you not from minus one to zero. It takes you to mm -hmm. a heart, like up really fast. That's mm -hmm. the interesting thing about it. Because I think we're we're fundamentally wired for it. You know, and it's a very uh, simple word that we all have. So we all just know what love, you know, someone says love and you have a feeling about it. It's not, no one is ambivalent about that word, you know. That's true. And yeah. and so in the beginning, it felt fake and I was completely fine with being fake because it beat where I was otherwise. And then it started to feel, um, but it started to run on its own. I was like, okay, now I'm not even trying and it's running on its own because it's like, I'm, I'm, doing the work, the mental workout every day. And now it's like my body's, my mind is starting to get fit and it started to do it on its own. Then it just starts to become, well, this is the way it is. And you start to accept it. Um, and I think one of the things we don't realize is that most of our thoughts and feelings are old patterns anyway that we've just reinforced over the years. And we think that that's the natural way to be. The natural way to be is whatever we reinforce in our subconscious over time. That's the natural way to be. Yeah. And we can choose that, but it takes to con to consciously create. It takes that work, takes that that discipline in the beginning, and that's yeah. one thing I go into the book as well. Is like, look, there's a couple other things. One is before you start all this, it's something I didn't do in the first version. I do in the second version because I realized over time this was important. Was the practice of forgiving yourself. It's a very it's a something I do that 
you know, that I, I describe how I do it. And it's literally like, if you're going to leave the past behind, I mean, if you want to move to the future, leave the past behind, feel the weight of what you're carrying and let it go. And then you make a commitment to this. Then you make a commitment to loving yourself. You make a vow to yourself and you keep it. And this is how you keep it. I think it's, you know, anything in life, look, if you're a creative, if you're an entrepreneur, it requires, as you said, practice, it requires discipline, it requires commitment. You don't just stumble into great, creating great stuff, yeah. you know? Like everyone I've ever admired as an artist, you know, they were, they work. You right. know, like they work. It's real work. It's day in, day out work. You're hammering and chiseling, you know? And and you're always just trying to get better at your craft. And same thing here. If you want to be better internally, if you want to be a better version of you, you're going to have to commit and you're going to have to do the work. It's not yeah. going to have it ha- happen uh, haphazardly. And you have to create the habits and the routines that will actually make that happen. That's another piece of the, the book that I remember really loving. And somewhere in the middle, when I think you're in that, the second part talking about sort of like what the, the manual is for doing this. And it was the, so it's basically how do I, how do I do this? And once you've done it once and you've tasted it, you know, as you said, love is this powerful, extraordinarily powerful thing that, that we are all hard work, hard wired for. And if you can get yourself from zero or minus whatever to love, and you can just taste it even for a moment, like you of course want to do it again. But to me, the part that really stuck, and I think we're back here at this, this concept of a practice is yeah, but how do I make that last? <laughs> because, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. go back to I, I think of what what invoked this in me was uh, hammering and chiseling. That somehow that that um, that just becomes, you know, it's it's once you do it once, you're better. And I think that's a a fiction that when I have you know deconstructed the lives of both people who I've admired and you know I have a the good fortune of also talking to a lot of people in the creator and entrepreneur community who are stuck I you know and the the something that I notice about people who are stuck is that even if they've tasted this they think that if they tasted it once that it should be automatic because they quote know it but we are at least with myself i you know when i've been stuck i immediately go right back to being stuck after that little moment of being unstuck so this concept of making it last is that is that in part how you arrived at uh at the 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 daily practice well i was originally i was just doing it obsessively because i wanted to get better then as i got better it's like okay how do i keep this um you know, that practical side of me, how do I keep this simple and efficient so that it continues on? And so I just took what worked best and, okay, this is how I do it. And my main thing was this takes up so little time of my day, you know, like most of us, it's pretty much all just internal work anyway. You could be doing it sitting in a, in the back of an Uber, you know, you could be like talking to someone and doing 10 breaths, like all these things, you just layering it in. It's basically, you know, um, it's like working out, you know, like once you get fit, if you if you stop and you're eating just bonbons all day, you know, you know what's going to happen. You know, same thing here. If you get your mind to a certain place, well, you know, there's a mental equivalent of bonbons and which is, you know, poor thinking. And so you just continue on this, but in a very focused, little, simple way. So every day you're just doing this every day and you continue forward. And one of the things I'm very clear about in the book is like, look, you know, 
the mind is plastic. Like I, I shared clearly an example of like when I just got lazy, stopped doing it for a long time and then life got in the way and I kind of like, you know, kind of, you know, fell apart again, embarrassingly. And I'm the right guy who wrote the book. And I wanted to show like, and look how I did it again and applied it and how like, no matter what the thing works, it works every time. Yeah. That's the um, third, the third part of the book for, for yeah. uh, those who are following along right now. This it, the first part is this sort of the promise that you'd made yourself. I think you call it the vow. The second part is basically how you got there. And the third part, the manual, which, yeah. yeah, which I think is, or the manual. Yeah. The, the third part I think is like, even the guy who wrote the book, <laughs> he, he mm-hmm. fell back into his own trap even after he'd, he'd beaten it. And I think that's, you know, for, the folks at home and um could you could you recap in as much detail as you feel comfortable sharing this you know when you basically had had, had fallen down again because i think that's everyone's fear right whether you're yeah. an addict trying to leave addiction or and and in many ways that's what you know these negative thought patterns can become yep. a I, you could call it an addiction because it, it, res, it creates a set of n- neurological responses. When I think this, you know, I immediately go into this default neural network or circle thinking or as you, as you called it. But um, talk to us about this, you know, when, when you, um, I'll just say relapsed for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a relapse. It's more like, you know, um, I got lazy and I just stopped, you know, I was like, well, I got this figured out. I got this done. And so I'm good, you know, fell in that trap. And then, you know, things happened in life that were pretty rough and over time. And then eventually I, you know, they caught up with me they caught up with the mind. And, you know, the reason why I wrote that, um, that last part of this very interesting, I was up until the end, I was tempted to cut it, but it's the part that like a lot of readers reached out and told me to find the fun to be the most helpful one. Because I show like, look, here's the guy who came up with this and here's him basically not doing it and, you know, life catching up to him and him falling apart and here's him doing it again and showing internally what's happening. The shifts are happening. I kept the record and, and the nuances because really the, the, you know, the, the devils in the details are like, like the truth is in the details to really show the nuances. So it, it, Purposes also it answers a lot of the questions that we get, a lot of the nuanced questions that we get from from readers. And the whole point of this is like, look, you don't have to fall here like I do, but like we're all human. But if you do, we, watch, this works. I mean, I had to convince myself this worked by doing it all over again. But second is, you know, it's a very, very human thing. It it works. And, and if we fall again, but here's my lesson. Don't coast. Just do the simple practice. Do it daily. Do it daily. It's like you're eating healthy. You're eating healthy. You're working out every day. Do this for your mind. Do this for your mind. You know. Well, that yeah, uh, that the, getting fit is so hard, and staying fit is so easy, <laughs> relatively. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like oh, I, I um, share a similar story when uh, I was writing Creative Calling, and you know this this part of the book was all about how. Um, you know, it's when you're stuck, it's a real pain in the ass. And the way you don't is through daily practice. And here I was getting up at five in the morning every day to write my, you know, 500 crappy words so that I, at the end of a couple of years, I could have the book that I wanted. And I realized in writing this, that I was rusty as hell. And I stepped into Uh, writing this book, like I had all the answers. And it was such a, it was such the, the meta 
concept of writing the book about how not, you know, how to stay unstuck as a, as a creator and entrepreneur and how to leverage that. And here I was like, not being, not able to take my own medicine and then <laughs> flipping back 30 pages to read what I'd written, you know, two months ago as the medicine for moving forward. It was just such a, <laughs> so frustrating, endless, like, and I guess that's, you know, I tried to get that into the book and I couldn't do it eloquently. And I, I think you did it uh, very eloquently in that third piece of the book. And I, I was uh, envious in all of the best ways that, wow, he like this, this, the fallible hero um, is you, you captured it in a, in a way that I, I tried really hard to try and get it in my book and I couldn't. So um, hats off well, to you. Well, I think, um, you know, thank you. But I think that one of the ways we help people is like, you know, as you've done with your work is, you know, we share the human journey. None of us are experts at life. Yeah. We're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to be better. We're all trying to just, you know, be better at what we do, do our work, be happy. But what we can do is we can share our struggles. We can share our wins. But not just that. Not just, hey, look at me on the top of a mountain. Or look at me at the bottom of a mountain. But look at me and how I get there. Mm. So you can take that path if you want to. Let's. There's something um, very raw about the word love. And you uh -huh. mentioned that earlier and now it's, I think you said it was something like universal or it's primal. Yeah. Primal. Okay. That's a good way of thinking about it. How did you land on love versus all the other possible yeah. vehicles? Why love? That's a great question. It's one I've asked myself and I honestly don't know. I know <laughs> it was a moment of desperation. Ah, oh, that's interesting. So like something as a deep. Straw, there's something that's so. Yeah. I went for, I went for deep. And without knowing it, like, I don't know where that came from, but what I know is that it came from somewhere deep. And so I had to listen to it. It's, it's um, so one of the um, uh, great uh, Ram Das recently, uh -huh. re recently passed away. And I yeah. had the good fortune to go to his end of life ceremony. Oh, wow. In, that's amazing. In, in Maui uh, last week. It was very powerful. Um, but I was struck and this is the reason for me asking the question of you about love is um, it just, it seems that so many of whether it's schools of thought or religions or any analysis of a life well, a life well lived has this huge core, core, core piece of it is love. And, you know, there's um, the people who spoke at, you know, the, who eulogized him at this, it was just unreal. Like, you know, 10 people, you'd travel across the world to hear any one of these 10 people speak. And they were all on stage at the same time sharing wow. uh, the stuff about, about Ram Dass. It was powerful. But what struck me as profound is I think it was either Krishna Das or maybe it was, um, gosh, uh, Jack Cornfield, I think mm -hmm. said that what, what, Ram Dass added to the lexicon was loving. It wasn't just kindness, for example, or, you know, it was the word loving in front of so many of these adjectives that had come before him. And it, this, um, the gaze that he, uh, was reported to my, my wife had studied under him and said, like, when you make eye contact with Ram Dass, it's, it's life changing because it's just, absolute acceptance, absolute unequivocal, you know, it's, it's as close to pure love as she had ever felt. And is it, it, 
do you feel like you ended up at love because of your upbringing or your studies or, or no, no it's just no, like, man. it was like last, last resort. <laughs> yeah. Look, like I, uh, I'm actually pretty honest in the book and reason being, cause I have readers reach out to me and struggling with their childhoods. You know, I share my childhood is a rough childhood, you know, and I share, have used this, you know, this same practice to overcome that, to help with that. Um, it wasn't that, you know, I was in the U S army. I was an infantry soldier. They don't teach you about love there. You, know, I, I, you didn't get a lot yeah. of love lessons in the U.S. Army when you had to do push-ups before going into the barracks every day. You don't have to do push-ups that... to go into front in, inside your house. Yeah, that's. Uh, I remember that. You know, but no, there's no. Well, you don't get taught love there, um, or in building startups. It's it's like a very, um, lack of a better word, like more of a machoistic culture, right? And this came from something pure. That's why I knew I had to listen to it because when I wrote it, wrote it to myself and I sat down, I remember staring for a while, just thinking, where did this come from? And then like, what do I do? You know? Yeah. And then the third was, well, I got to do this because it came from somewhere deep and I wrote it to myself. And, uh, you know, the, a lot of the, how I think about it came later. But at the time it was, this came from somewhere pure and deep and then I had to go live it. Um, the theory comes comes out comes after. Mm. So, I I've read a few other things that you've written, and and there's a lot on your blog. Which, um, for those folks that uh, who want to keep following along, it's just Kamal K A M A L dot blog. Um, and it seems like you've been really um, active there. Yet, what, like, is writing a big piece of your daily practice? Is it, you know, you sit down to um, write a book that's no small feat, and then, you know, mm -hmm. of course, seven years later, you've, um, you know, you've, you've written a new version here, but is writing a piece of what you, you know, prescribe, or is it just a personal solution for you? Is it getting stuff out of your head onto paper so that you can share it? Like what is the function of, of writing for you? Well, right. You know, I've published three books, including a novel. Um, writing I think is why I exist in this world. Honestly, uh -huh. uh, you know, books were my refuge when I was a child. You know, if you ask my brother and I, what did we do when we, when we were kids? All we did was read. And uh, books were literally my escape from some really shitty times as a child. Mm -hmm. And um, as an adult, I never thought I would be a writer. I didn't study writing in college. It was just near, at, after college, I realized I had stories to tell and I wanted to tell them. And I remember this is, I was living, this is before Silicon Valley. I was living in upstate New York and I ended up gave myself a challenge to write a novel. And I spent six months writing a novel. And sick, you know, pulled it off, finished it. And I remember the day after I finished, I went to a, a Borders bookstore at the time, and I was just, you know, cruising around the, you know, the books, and I picked up Hemingway's uh, Farewell to Arms. And I hadn't read Hemingway since high school. And in high school, no one, you know, you don't really like Hemingway because it's pushed on, <laughs> right? Right. And I, I picked up Farewell to Arms, and I just read the first paragraph, and right there in that Borders, I started crying. Because wow. I realized I've just spent six months writing a steaming pile of garbage. 
And this is what real writing was. I just wasted six months of my life. You know, and I'd been all proud of myself for finishing. Now I was just realizing what garbage it was compared to what real writing was. And so, but what that book gave me, you know, obviously I bought it and I read it many, many times. What it gave me was a guide, like what is clean, clear writing. And so then I set out to actually teach myself that. So while I was, you know, moved to Silicon Valley, I was building startups. And while I was doing that, I would just take all the writers I would fall in love with and just like study them and write and write and write. You know, I would write novels and rewrite novels and rewrite novels on, you know, this is my, my side gig. And people were like, you know, what are you doing? It never gets you anywhere. You're wasting all your time. You know, the classic that you hear. And I just had to do it because I knew I wanted to tell stories, but I had to get to a point where I could tell them in a way that they deserved. Mm. And I had to become a good enough writer. And here's the ironic thing, you know, I wanted to write literary fiction. You know, I wanted to write novels. And this little book that I put out um, originally in 2012 was a result of all that studying, building the craft. I was able to take some an experience and share it so simply and so true that it really resonated with people. Like I started getting, you, know, you have no idea how many emails I had from people saying this actually stopped them from killing themselves. Or like this is actually for the first time in their lives they feel any self, self, self-esteem because of reading this book and applying it. I couldn't have done that if I hadn't studied the craft obsessively. Yeah. You know, so writing for me is, um, is uh, you know, honestly, I don't have, I'm kind of, I get kind of lazy about it sometimes because I take a break and I write mainly like when I have something I want to share. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, um, but you're so right. It's, but writing is what I, why I exist. You know, when I'm gone, I'll have these books is what I'll have left behind. And that's what I'm going to be, you know, at least right now. I feel the proudest of everything I've ever done, you know, because they're true and they're honest and they actually help people. And I've worked, I have done my work on them. Man. Well, is it fair? Like how, how much of your personal journey, um, not just driving you to Silicon Valley, but, uh, or in this case, like writing a book that helped save your life. How much of the, work that is required maybe even undoing do you feel like was couched in a your childhood but b all of our childhoods together like just talk me through how you think about um you know you've you've referenced in this conversation i've read about it that you you had a tough childhood but you know is this is this true of everyone is there you know are there even if you didn't you know you weren't raised in poverty from abusive parents or, you know, fill in the blank of narrative that could be expected. But how, you know, is, is everyone's childhood full of um, scars? And is that what we're all trying to repair as we mature? Or, you know, how, how did your own experience, um, do you feel like it was unique? Or, um, or is that something we're all, is it, is it, is it a universal? I don't know about childhoods. I hope people have good childhoods. I've met people who have great childhoods, and I and I and I am happy for them. You know, if I have children, I want them to be had to have amazing childhoods. Um, I just think it's the human condition. You know, we still um, we still have the human mind. You know, one of the best things I ever heard. I heard Maya Angelou speak years ago, and uh, she she said something that stuck with me that I've never forgotten, and it's it's very powerful. And she said. 
uh, I'm going to quote a Roman poet from thousands of years ago. And he said, I am a human being, therefore nothing human is foreign to me. And so mm. what that makes us realize is, look, we all feel pain. We all feel joy. We all feel love. We all feel loneliness. We all feel lack. We all feel the, the fundamental feelings are the same. The scenery is different. You could have lived thousands of years ago and seen different things. and you know, But the fundamental feelings, the fundamental experience of being a human being on this planet is the same. It's, it's, it's the same in the, because we're all in our head. We're all feeling the same feelings. And we're all wired the same way. We are wired for love and we have, you know, the classic you know, love or fear, right? So all I can do as a writer is share my experience, but share the truth of my experience, which is the human experience. You don't have to have, um, you know, and I'm very clear about the book. You don't have to have had the experience I had. You don't have to have a company fail. You don't have to have this. But we've all gone through times where we're feeling this way. And this is the solution that I did. And it's an internal solution. It's a human solution. Because it's a human solution, it works for other humans. You know, uh, I mean, and it came from Maya Angelou, who I just, I, you know, I so admire. You know, I'm a huge fan of her writing and her poetry. Um, and she was quoting someone from thousands of years ago. Uh, so I don't know if it matters if we have similar childhoods or if we all trying to unpack our childhoods as adults. I honestly don't know, you know, all I know is we're human beings living human lives in a human world with human brains. And in the end, the brain is just like a monkey throwing bananas. And our job is to train, tame that monkey. And just, you know, that's what it is. I I work hard to tame my own monkey. It's so true. It's like, I think about it as like our biology is not there to keep us happy. It's It's there to keep us alive and alive and happy are <laughs> they're, yeah. they're a far cry from one another yeah. and and that you need to find we all need to rather find a way to get this this basically this you know multi-million year old organ that's between our ears we need to get it to work for us rather than against us and if we, if we can train our minds to you know not be an anchor neutral would be great and have it help us, you know, that would basically, to me, that's what the greatest, you know, doers in our culture have done is mastered, mastered their mind. Um, I like the, the, how you've grounded it in the human condition. We're all <laughs> fighting our monkey. What did you yeah, call it? Banana, banana bananas brain. <laughs> yeah, really, man. That's the show. You know, uh, I love it. I mean, I, like ultimately, I think this is mindset. What I had stumbled upon was a form of mindset, and I'm so lucky that it was through the filter of love because we're wired for it. Yeah. And, you know, we all know how what it is to feel love for another. Feel love for ourselves tends to be rarer for us. And to mm -hmm. turn that within and to start feeling that is a beautiful thing. You know, just experience it. Mm. Why not? We all, you know, we're here. Why not make yourself feel it? Why not actually do it? You'll only be, you'll only be better. Worst case, you'll feel better, you yeah. know, but that's what I've learned. Is You're that, better. Like your life starts to become better. Is that what's made this book so popular? I mean, you know, I, I just brought up your Amazon page here, 3000 reviews. Like, is, is it because we're in a time where, while we might be connected on the outside, we're more disconnected on the inside than we've ever been, whether that's through technology or through mass culture or 
like why i don't know it's clear you've unlocked something and what is let me ask it in a very succinct way what is your book an antidote to well you know i have something that's very interesting as a writer i have data i have all the you know, thousands and thousands of emails from readers, you know, not to mention all the tweets and the messages I get on various social platforms telling me what the book meant to them, right? And fundamentally, I think the reason um, it works, it's it's um, so popular, uh, is because it's practical. It's not written by an expert. I don't have PhDs in psychology. You know, I'm just a guy who works on himself, who shared his human journey and in a very practical, honest way. And I'm fortunate that I have trained myself to be a writer so I can do in a way that's very accessible and easy, you know, because I can write in a way that anyone can read, understand it and apply it. Um, I think that's, I don't know if it's a matter of the time. Um, you know, I've gotten emails from like, I got, recently, like from someone, she, this woman said, you know, I'm, I'm 80 years old. I've had a good life because of reading your book and applying it. Now my life is even better. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> like that's amazing yeah 80 years you know, in a, you can still have an effect that's incredible yeah and this is an old woman who said you know i have a good life and you i mean that's amazing so it just brings me back to i don't know if it's because of the times i think it's because it's a fundamentally human thing and it's written not by an expert but but just someone sharing his journey in a very practical way you know i i'm not a fan of platitudes i'm not a fan of theory yeah. And you can see why, like in startups, you don't have time for theory. You don't have time for management meetings. You're, you're doers, right? Yeah. So I kind of applied, I kind of applied that to this book as well. It's like, like, this is the book I wish someone had given me when I was down. Or if I go down again, I have the book now. I wrote it myself for myself, you know? I think that's um, part of what it is. It's, it's very clear that this is like forgive the term self-help for a second, but it's literally written from like the practicality is ruthless, right? It's here is exactly what I did. And I think that's a gap that so many of the sort of the books that are, you know, on the shelves these days and even written by some mutual friends of ours and contemporaries are like, it's sort of this a little bit hand wavy. And that's what I was so struck by is this is, it's almost ruthlessly uh, prescriptive. Thank you. You know, and I'll tell you as um, for people out there who are creatives, you know, I'll, it's scary to write that. Mm. It's scary to be dishonest, you know, to say like, because uh, I don't make myself look good in the book. If you look at this guy, like, what the hell is wrong with him? Why can't he just get over this? Um, you know, but but when you're that honest is when you help people. You know, it's yeah. it's when you're the it's when you're the scared the most of what you're putting out is you know, when, when you know you got something real. That is, that is a piece of reality that is so hard for us to yeah. come back to time and time again, which, you know, that actually makes me want to, we've, we've talked about, Hey, if you're a creator, if you're an entrepreneur, and, and we know that that's, um, you know, the majority of the listeners identify as that, or at least are creative or entrepreneurial curious, as I like to say, but, um, <laughs> and, but we all get stuck. Right. And I remember reading and doing some research for our conversation um, 
just this concept of, of being stuck. And, you know, if you identify, you, you said earlier that you are on this planet to be a writer and, um, there are certainly lots of writers listening right now, but it, it, do you have any advice for those people who are stuck and who are creators? Like what, what works for you as someone who's as prolific as you've been? Um, and obviously you've achieved some success at doing it. Like, can you give us some, some advice for, uh, for being blocked, whether I don't know what to work on, I don't know how to work. Um, I'm curious what you'd say. Yeah, you know, like I've gone through that myself. Um, one of the things is when I'm working on a piece, when I'm working on a book, I don't believe in writer's block, and here's why. Uh, because all I get blocked is on a particular uh, thing I'm working on. So if I get blocked, say I'm working at the beginning of a book, I'll stop and I'll just go start working the end of the book. You're just blocked on that particular thing you're on. It doesn't mean you're blocked completely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I find that to be very powerful. So like I can continue working on a book no matter what. I could be writing chapter one in the morning and then be stuck there, and I could be writing chapter thirty later in the afternoon. Just just because you have, a, or just writing what I know will be later on in the book. You know, so you can so I jump around that way. So that keeps me from getting blocked. But otherwise, outside of that, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, sometimes we get creatively blocked, and it's a time to actually honestly pause and reflect and think and just be. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, I'm trying to force something and that's not where the great stuff comes from. Um, so I, for me, I would say, you know, it's it's a matter of like honoring the, the creative within, you know, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes I'll just pause. I won't write for, for a while. I'll just read and I'll, I'll learn life because I know that I'm absorbing it in and it's going to come out into work. Uh, you know, you got to live. You got to, you got to think you know, to write or to create anything, you know, because it's the raw material, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All of life is just raw material for your work. Yeah. No inputs, no nothing to write about. Um, Yeah. Well, part of Um, what I've never been the one, you know, and I always admire the ones who get up every day like yourself and write their 500 words. I've never been that one. Mm -hmm. I, it's usually when I'm working on something, then I get obsessive that way. Yeah. I, I will say that is when I'm, that is a habit that I'm in to make myself continue when I'm <laughs> when I when I don't want to. I'm definitely more of a sprinter. If you know, if you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin's work, like yeah, yeah, are you a marathoner or a sprinter? I'm way more of a sprinter, but I try and keep some sort of base level of training so that I don't get go back to our earlier commentary about it's so much easier if you just stay in relatively good shape than it is to go completely out of shape and have to get fit again. So that, that, that is so words. true. Oh God. I hate that, that is, it's, it's horrifying <laughs> seeing my writing. If I haven't written for a while, it's, oh, it's embarrassing. And it's conversely, it's like, I remember two things like this, you know, I'm, I'm in the final sprint of uh, my book and I don't know if this is true for you, but I said two things to myself at one point, it was delirious, like two in the morning. And I was like, well, if all this sucks, God, at least I, I got so much better at writing. And in particular, <laughs> look how fast my typing is. <laughs> I am such a good typer. <laughs> These are the horrible things, takeaways, but the things we say to ourselves at three in the morning. Yeah, the things that go through our heads, you know, that that, that would be a funny book in itself. <laughs> you know, what goes through someone's head, you know, because creating is ultimately, you know, creating is a form of love to the world because mm-hmm. you're putting it, you know, you're creating to put something out to the world. It's a special thing, but it's also, you know, you give it your all. It, it winds, it's, you're spent. You know, you're, 
there's real work that goes into anything, whether it's creating a company or creating a book. Um, it's something that's often not discussed, just how much we give of ourselves into this. And, and when it, you know, so like when it works, it's beautiful because you really feel, um, you know, like I've had success in startups and I've had success in my books. I'll tell you the ones with the books feel much better. Really? Like they're deeper because oh, I wow. gave everything of myself in a way that I, in a startup, you have a team and everything and so forth. You know, there's more, it's different and I'm very grateful for it. I'm proud of it, but a creative piece, that's all you. That's like down to your soul. Yeah. You know? There's very, something special there. Very. And just the act to be able to put it out there. You know, very like important. when I first put the first version out there, literally, I didn't expect to sell any. I was an unknown author. There were no copies. Like, I literally, it was self published because I didn't think a publisher was going to publish it. Not only collected rejection letters. Yeah. And that's, that is the beauty of the modern age. You can go reach your audience directly. You know, you create videos, put them on YouTube. You create, you know, what kind of, whatever form you can con- content you create, you can reach your audience now. It's it this didn't exist before. It is so powerful to be a creator right now. Yeah, there's this yeah this mod all the modern tools of creation and distribution. Um, but you know, you said something earlier about uh, this the universality of the human condition. Um, You've also written a, a, a bunch about um, some of these practices. For example, you've talked about spending time in the Himalaya, and uh, I'm remembering something you studied with some Buddhist monks. Um, is there, mm-hmm. you know, is, is there some um, universality, whether it's around religion or uh, tradition or you know human history? Like, what is it that made you? you know, want to spend time in a monastery? Well, these were actually last year. I was I studied with the Bon in Mustang Valley in Nepal. And the Bon are the mystics of Tibetan Buddhism, you know. And, I, and I'm always fascinated by the mystics because they're the nut jobs, you know. <laughs> like, they're really, they're the nut, my favorite ones are the nut jobs. And because they're always like, they're not, they don't want to be told about God. They want to experience God. They want to know and then that, what lies underneath God. They're basically the guys who are trying, always trying to figure out women, men and women, trying to figure out the nature of reality. What is this whole thing about? You know, don't just preach to me. Let me figure out for myself. And it's been, I've always been fascinated by them. And you find them in every culture, in every major religion. You know, it's been like basically built originally by the mystics. And then, you know, they were marginalized and it became standardized. But, you know, what's very interesting, they all say the same thing, like the bond and so forth, the other I've studied, uh, they all, that this whole thing is an illusion, that we're all just living in some sort of illusion, mm. and it's all just consciousness. So powerful. Um, it really is. I don't know what <laughs> to do medicine. with it, right? but it's powerful. You know, it's like we still got to live, get up and have your coffee and all that. <laughs> um, but, but there's something very profound, and, and so I admire these people that go out and really try to just dedicate their lives to figuring out the nature of reality and yeah, live it. Well, it's fascinating that the, you know, the best things in all of my life, and this is a, you know, having had hundreds of people on the show and, you know, more than a thousand people on creative live that are, you know, the best of the best is there's that we're all loaded with quirks and, you know, whether you couch it in the mystics as you have as, you know, the nut jobs, like, it's almost like we I mean that lovingly. Yeah, exactly. But like if if 
what we're all really doing is retreating into our inner nut job. And that's where the best stuff is. I mean, like, oh, yeah. like you had to go to a, get to a pretty dark place in order to truly to find love and to make use of its power. And, you know, even, you know, our, our um, mutual friend, Tim Ferriss is like, he doesn't want to just study people who are good marathoners. He wants to study the 225 pound guy who doesn't have a <laughs> marathon body. Who's like, how are you running ultra marathons? Like that to me is this sort of fringe, the people who get great results, but you know, it's, it's our nut job. And it's so weird how hard it is for us to get, culturally speaking, get us to focus on those parts of us that are the weirdest, the quirkiest or the scariest parts. Like, you know, you, your self-proclaimed failure at your startup is where all this came from. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's in a society, like, if, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, you know, I was looking at TikTok and Instagram. It's all about celebrating almost like an, a different kind of illusion. Look at me like I'm just being awesome <laughs> versus, you know, the, the reality of the human condition. And um, that's where the juice is. Yeah. You know, that's, where the, that's where the creative juices are, you know, living life and really experiencing it. Wow. I, I, can't, uh, I can't think of a better, a better exclamation point than that to end on. But I, I, I really want to um, say thank you for being a leader in our culture uh, and specifically someone who's focused as you are on love. I think it's a, it's a widely underappreciated as you, you've, you've called it, you know, the, the universal and the most powerful force. And, um, and if you survey the landscape on who's writing about love, it is, it is often mystics or uh, it seems like something that's more fringe in our culture, but God, how, how core. So thanks for, thanks for being uh, brave and going right at something that is clearly was, you know, obviously very powerful for you, but it's something we all have a lot to learn. Thank you for having me. I hope this was useful to people who listen. Oh man. And congrats, you know, just on a personal note here, um, six years and just a quick recap for folks listening six years ago, self-published this thing after half a million copies, you, uh, and, and taking in all this feedback from, you know, thousands of people from all over the world, you've, um, done us all a big favor. And I just, I'm reaching over and grabbing, um, the book right here. I've got it in my hands. Love yourself. Like your life depends on it. Congrats on the new edition. Um, what's the best place for so people much. to, yeah. What's, what's the best people, uh, place for people to pay attention. I mentioned, um, Kamal K A M A L dot blog or does it dot blog? Yeah. Dot blog. Yeah. Um, but where else, if people want to pay attention to what you're doing, what's the best place to? Oh, that's fine. Twitter, it? Instagram, just my name. You know, um, I also like I continue tradition. This ex- expanded version has my email in it, so you know, email. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ooh. I love connecting my readers. You know, that's it's amazing. That's another beauty of the modern age, man. Like as creators, we get we get to like connect with our with our audience. Yeah, as you said, data, yeah, could, right? Data, huh? It's data. Yeah, it was data, but it's like beyond data. It's like a connection, you know, like I've, yeah. people are wonderful. You know, they'll tell you the truth about your work. You know, um, it's, a, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, well, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you. Uh, congrats on the success. Um, again, folks, uh, check them out uh, on the internet. And man, sounds like you can have a, 
individual communication <laughs> with you. I don't know if I'm signing you up for some stuff you don't yeah. want right now, but yeah. uh, email uh, I'll email you back. It might take a little bit of time if I get swamped, but I'll email you back. Awesome. Happy to uh, have you on the show. Thanks so much. And looking forward to um, seeing the response here because I know a, a conversation with yours truly and love is going to be powerful. Appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Come Me on. too. Thank you. All right. That about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn so check that out they're just slash creative live or at creative live all over out there on the internet all right until again uh, probably tomorrow i hope i'll hear you i'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow and i'll look for your comments on the internets bye <laughs>